Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Are you still relying on a frustrating patchwork of legacy solutions? Modernize your cybersecurity and data protection with a Cronus CyberProtect Cloud. It's a single solution that combines backup, anti-malware, and endpoint protection management. As an MSP, you can easily improve clients' security posture, eliminate complexity, and generate more recurring revenue. Learn more about Acronis CyberProtect Cloud at acronis.com. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Greg Edwards, who is the founder and I'm assuming CEO or some such uh, of CryptoStopper. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Carl. Yep, that's right. I'm the founder and CEO of CryptoStopper. So give us a little background on you. So how did you get where you are today? Sure. So actually, I started an MSP in 1998 um, that I actually still uh, absentee own today and, and still still have going after 20 plus years. And where <laughs> um, are you located? I, located in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Ah, okay. In the Midwest. So we're in the technology capital of the world. <laughs> Um, but so we started the MSP way back in 98, and then I started an offsite backup and disaster recovery company out of that MSP and grew that to a national, national presence. Um, and we started seeing ransomware attacks in 2012, uh, the very, very first ransomware attack that, that we dealt with, um, they were they were demanding a $40 ransom. (laughs) You know, I remember when this was so small and now the ransoms are millions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Today, a $40,000 ransom would be tiny. So, um, but so, so I saw the rise of ransomware and the commoditization of the offsite backup and disaster recovery made, so it made sense for me to sell that. I sold that in 2016. Uh, and then started, actually started a full service MSSP. Uh, and we developed this product called CryptoStopper because there was nothing, nothing out there that would stop ransomware once it got past all the other defenses. Right. And ultimately, um, 2019, we turned that into its own product, stopped all the services, and now we're purely just, um, just focused on CryptoStopper and software as a service. All righty. So I think everybody's familiar with um, all the education. You know, you train people, don't click the button. You train <laughs> them that yeah, no means yes. And, 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 you know, everything means please encrypt my system, no matter what you click on. And they still click on yep. stuff. And, the, yep. and then the light goes on and they say, oh, shit. So <laughs> yeah. Crypto Stopper actually comes in at that point and recognizes that an encryption is taking place. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We have a case study of a, a law firm that the accounting person did exactly that. Got um, an email. This was happened to be an attachment. Opened the attachment. Looked like nothing happened, and you know, within less than less than a second, it started encrypting files, and CryptoStopper popped up and stopped it. And the thing about when we when we do that. It happens so fast and there's 
so little damage done that it's it's just a non-event. I mean, it's it's like when files get quarantined by antivirus. It's right. like okay, it did what it's supposed to. <laughs> Move on, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, and and you've given it administrative privileges, right? So it can go do whatever the hell it wants. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. it's not it's not seen. So so here's a question: Do most ransomwares encrypt the local machine first and then go find the network? So most of the ones that we see hitting businesses now are going to the network first. So they'll, they'll go out and discover the network and attack any attached network shares first rather than attacking the local machine. Okay. So the, the person doing it, it might actually be less likely to notice that. Correct. Because yep. it's happening on the server or on the NAS. Yeah. And a lot of times they will happen um, like the, the attack happens, but the user doesn't see anything and nothing happens because they'll schedule it. They'll say run at eight, starting at 8 PM on the first Friday on the next available Friday. So that, right. and the intent there is just that. So no one even notices. So until... you separate the click from the, oh shit. <laughs> exactly. In, in the, in the, oh shit is Monday morning when they come back and it's run for two and a half days and encrypted everything. Right. Right. So, um, so roughly speaking, does CryptoStopper work by putting out a series of files that you just monitor and then wait to see if they get encrypted? Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, we do multiple detection methods, but the primary is through those, those bait files. Uh, and so we deploy bait files both on the local machine so that if the ransomware does start running on the local machine, we can detect and kill it there before it goes laterally. Um, but then also on the network shared drives and cloud drives, put our bait files there so that when they're hit, that it stops it. But then we also watch native files and watch for other indicators of ransomware running. So it's not just the bait files. So there, are, I'm assuming there are some standard files you can find on every machine everywhere in the universe. And so you would monitor like a known good file. Correct. Yeah, we have a default setup um, and then the MSPs and we sell exclusively through MSPs. Um, so then they can manage, you know, they can either do it just a standard default or they can go through and customize. And we do recommend that people go through and customize and especially for their data, uh, data shares. That so they I'm assuming those. that the evil people in the world know that you exist. So do they have a list of your files? So that, <laughs> I mean, theoretically, well, they would say, "Don't encrypt these files because you'll get caught." <laughs> yep. So here's the uh, here's the great thing about how we do it, and I'll give this tip to the attackers out there. <laughs> See if they can figure it out. Um, but it, it's a a random. So every deploy goes and creates random files of random sizes. And so every installation is unique. Ah, very good. So you basically randomly generate file names in the same way that they randomly generate keys. And Exactly. So yep. um, when you look at this, uh, can you like point to a particular system and say, see there was an attack and and we stopped it and you know we just want you to be grateful that we were here <laughs> yeah we do and that, that was like i said earlier that it's such a non-event 
when we do stop it, that we do try to highlight that. Um, one thing that we're implementing this year is better tracking of that and better visibility for the MSPs to do that exact kind of reporting back to their clients. Um, and we, we're actually in testing right now of a ransomware simulator. We've always had a, a manual simulator. We've created our own ransomware, our own um, non-aggressive, non, non-malicious Right. variant of ransomware, of course. Um, but now we're actually adding that so that MSPs can run it automated and see time to detection and be able to show their clients reports of here's, here's how we're protecting you. Here's how often we're testing it. And um, what size network does this work best on? Yeah. So anything, um, anything right now, anything up to about 3000 endpoints in a given environment, but I mean, we have clients, we have MSP clients that have over 12,000 endpoints that they manage total. So there's really not, there's really not a limit other than just the, our, our portal is built for that SMB and, and built specifically for, um, for the MSP so that they can manage it. And we haven't built out the enterprise tools um, because that's not, not where we're focused. Right. And, and so, um, you mentioned in passing cloud is one of the options. Are we seeing a lot of ransom so, place in the cloud? Not yet, um, but we're anticipating that, that that is going to be much more prevalent. Um, right now, the bulk, uh, I think the last report that I saw is that 91% of ransomware attacks are still happening on Windows desktops and Windows servers. Um, and then, then actually the biggest next portion are on Macs um, and then cloud. Right. So, well, so yeah, so we don't see that as a large, large attack surface currently, but as the migration to um, OneDrive and Google Workplace and Dropbox and Box, all of, all of those tools, we see these attackers migrating there. Right. So what about some of the other stuff that folks are doing? Uh, you know, in addition to ransomware, you now have this uh, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Where you, they, they take your data and then, uh, then they want uh, the Exfiltration. Yeah. So yeah. we're, that's almost standard now when, um, when an, a ransomware attack happens, they really do three things. So they, number one, work to sabotage the backups if they can. Number two, encrypt the files. And then number three, exfiltrate the data. So, and, and they do it in that order, typically attack the backups first, obviously. Right, right. Um, but then that exfiltration of the data and the reason that they do that is so they say, okay, go ahead and restore we still, then we're going to sell your data on, on the dark net. Right. If, if you don't pay exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you pay us. Um, so you essentially are able to stop that only because you're stopping the ransomware. Cur currently, we're actually adding functionality to be able to detect that exfiltration also. Um, so that's a feature that we're adding later this year. So in this whole world of spy versus spy, you, you have to like, Give people enough information so they understand your product, but not so much <laughs> that they can, right, come in and, and uh, disable it or whatever. So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so that's, no that's agent, a fine line. Correct. Like you don't have I, an agent on every endpoint. There is an agent. 
There um, is, yep, there is an agent that gets deployed. We're actually making that um, as we as we developed this out. Um, it the very first version was a actually a PowerShell script that ran just on servers, um, <laughs> and you know as we've morphed it, um, morphed into an agent, and now we're actually going to an agentless just cloud. Um, cloud solution, so you manage it all from our cloud portal. Right. So this thing about the cloud, it's always scared me. But you know, I've gone to various uh, providers and and asked them, like, have you ever been encrypted? And they will say, they all say, not yet. <laughs> not <laughs> None yet. of them say no. It's not possible. In fact, they say it's entirely possible. If you have permission to encrypt a file, you have permission to encrypt a file, and so you know, we're not going to stop you and we can't tell what's legit and what's not. So how do you know right. when something's legit? Yeah. So all, all based on our algorithm that is watching that encryption activity to determine whether that's potentially human activity or scripted machine activity. And that's that's really the differentiation. And and again, not to not to get into the specifics of how the algorithm works, but <laughs> uh, but basically, it's it's making that determination between what's what a human would do versus what the machine would do. And if someone, you know, so you think about an application like WinZip. If someone went and said, "Okay, I'm going to encrypt this entire drive." with WinZip, then we would detect that as ransomware-esque behavior. So I don't have a great deal of experience with this just because I really push the education side of don't click, do not click, right? (laughs) Absolutely. But the demonstrations that I've seen, the ransomware spreads incredibly fast. And so is there always like, whatever, some X percent of the files that are encrypted. Yep. Yep. And we, we log those and give, so what, what our system does when it detects a ransomware attack, it logs all the files that get encrypted, who it, who the user was, what their IP address was, all the timestamps, all of that. um, So that the admin then can go and recover that small subset of files. And we're talking our, so our system detects and stops in less than a second. And even in that fraction of a second, it's usually five to six files that are that are still hit. So you can imagine if it didn't stop it, how oh, yeah. many millions of files are going to be encrypted very quickly. Well, plus, I mean, you have the processor speed plus the cache. So you could have instructions that just, you know. Yeah, yep. Yeah, exactly. So one one thing that we've seen that that they've done to try to increase the speed is that they'll write, they'll encrypt and write those files to memory before they write them back to the disk. And this was one thing that we discovered a couple of years ago that was a flaw in our software, um, where when that would happen, it would write, you know, could write anywhere from a few hundred or a few thousand files to memory before it would write it back to the disk. And we weren't watching for that ah. early on. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, these guys are, they're not messing around. They're very advanced. <laughs> and <laughs> and if they go back up data and, and then exfiltrate, 
then it's usually the backups that are attacked first. Like yes. So yep. so in that yep. one second, <laughs> let's say, um, how do they find my backup? Like how do you know how I back things up? Yeah. So they'll it's actually all scripted and generally. I mean, so there's there's two primary forms of attacks that we see. So either that scripted attack where the user clicks on something and it all happens. And so they have scripted the most common ways to go sabotage they'll look to look at the network determine okay are they using you know whatever for backup right. and then if they have if they've collected admin credentials they'll try and use those admin credentials which everybody should not be using the same right <laughs> credentials so, uh, so but, at the end of the day that, and that's still an issue right that people say oh i'm going to create a, a backup user but I'm never going to change the password. It's going to be backup one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, people need to make sure that their backups are offsite, that they're using an encryption code, not only the, the login and password to get into that, whatever that offsite account is, but then also a separate encryption code for the, the backups themselves. Right. Um, and, and the thing is, backups are no solution to ransomware. I mean, they're, everybody has to have backups, not suggesting you should, but coming from the backup world and having to do hundreds of recoveries for businesses because of ransomware, it's, it's a huge waste of time. I mean, at minimum, like we did, we were doing, starting back in 2007, we were doing cloud-based automated backups that were encrypted and um, we would recover our clients' full systems to the cloud, which, I mean, cloud didn't even technically, it wasn't the cloud in 2007, right. it was just distributed computing systems. Um, but it would be anywhere from, you know, at a minimum, two hours to a couple of days to get people oh, right. back up and running. And that's, you know, that's still true today. And depending on how, how well people test their disaster recovery, you're talking a massive disruption that doesn't need to happen. Right. Absolutely. Well, certainly the, the BDR that, you know, can recover a system in 30 seconds is way better than a backup that if your I, upbound pipe is 20 meg, it, could be the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's that's the thing that if if your the, the backups that we recommend are the local local and offsite. So you've got that local BDR device and then offsite. But even switching over to that, I mean, yeah, you I mean they they all tout the the speed to get back up and going, but go test it and see right. and get, you know, and switch all of the users over to it. It's, it's so, hours and so hours. My model is always that the core data lives in the cloud. So the backup is literally pulling it back down to a, a local yep. NAS or off to a different cloud. And yep. so that the kind of that multi-cloud environment. So when you say offsite today, you're talking about a different, you know, somebody else's cloud. Exactly. Yep. So how do people find out about CryptoStopper? And I'm assuming yeah. you have a demo or something. Yep, yep. We have a demo. Um, there's actually a couple of ways. People could email me directly or go to getcryptostopper.com. Uh, and my email address, if people want to email me directly, is gedwards at 
getcryptostopper.com. All right. And, we'll and put, we won't put your email in the links for the show, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll put the website in the links for the show. And you also have something called kitcaster.com slash Greg Edwards. So we'll put the link to that. So tell us yep. about that. Yep. So Kitcaster actually is, is a firm that manages, um, basically is a PR firm that manages the podcast that, that I do. So they're, they're an outsourced firm. They've been wonderful. And I would highly recommend them for anyone that wants to, wants to do, do what I do, which is three or four podcasts a week. Wow. <laughs> oh, so this is nothing to you. So what questions <laughs> haven't I asked that they're really good interviewers? <laughs> You've done an excellent job. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I think the what's coming next from ransomware um, and that, Really, I see that as just more, more automation from these ransomware attackers, and that and that move to the cloud, as well, as people you know, make that move. It's funny because the simplest things surprise me, right? Because I'm slow, but you know, <laughs> the when I think about like, oh, let's just hold this off until a certain date. That has been a long held policy of the evil attackers. They literally, some of them, one of the reasons why the, the, the solar winds attack essentially didn't do a lot of damage is it was a time delay. And that time was so long that they got found it, out. Yeah. Right? That if, if that if it had been whatever, a month, they would right. have done a lot of damage. Yeah, but it was this time delay where they say on a date certain, which we can't find out without unencrypting the data. But, you know, at some point in the future, do bad stuff. So how much potential cryptoware or ransomware has been deployed that we don't know about? That is an excellent question that I can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a lot. Um, although, you know, the most of the ransomware attacks that we see, I mean, they try to do it fairly quickly. So it's within a week, generally. So Friday at five is better it, than January of 2027. It, yeah. I mean, I have seen some where the variant itself had a coordinated time where, okay, all of this is going to, there's one particular one that I, that ran on Valentine's day, right. um, you know, so who knows why? Um, but so I've seen them where they just hard, the attackers hard coded run at this future date, but generally it's run this coming weekend. Right. So do you um, subscribe to any special services that like help you keep informed on all this stuff or are you just like, well, so the media <laughs> like the rest of us? Both. Um, have, we have uh, actually have a, a team of people that, are researching ransomware, um, and then our developers are also cybersecurity experts. Um, and so, collectively between all of us, we're we're always keeping up on the the latest trends with ransomware. So, do you feel that your ap approach is robust enough that the next big bad thing that the, the bad guys come up with, you're going to be able to stop it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the things that, that we wouldn't stop and things that get lumped into ransomware sometimes, um, like when, when they're 
really destructive as opposed to ransoming. So there are scenarios where there could be destruction that would happen and may get lumped into the ransomware category that really isn't ransomware. Um, WannaCry was an example of that, where it really wasn't ransomware. It was all about destruction. Right. Well, that's one of the things I have to say that the bad guys have changed their tune since, you know, back in the early 90s when it was all about, let me just see how much crap I can break before I it, get stopped. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's changed that? Money. Uh, yeah, well, it's cryptocurrency and money. I mean, it's, it's the right. money that cryptocurrency has allowed the attackers to gain. Um, pre, uh, pre 2012, they really had no way of consistently getting paid. I mean, they would use credit card and would, you know, would try to get paid in other ways, but once cryptocurrency became available and they get paid completely anonymously anywhere in the world, totally changed. And then they have so much money that, you know, that there's nothing for them to spend it on except running the actual government of Russia. So, right. Um, Which you don't have to comment on. Don't <laughs> we won't more. go there. <laughs> so, so, uh, but um, so here's a question you may not want to answer. So it, let's say somebody clicks on something. A second later, you say, well, we found this. How do you actually stop it? Do you look at all of the processes that are running, figure out which one it is and stop that process? We, we do. Yep. Yep. We actually, um, depending on whether it's happening at the desktop level, we identify and kill the process. Um, so it doesn't matter if they obfuscate the process that's running, it, it's just going to kill whatever that process is. Right. So, so they could it, rename it as something that looks innocuous to a human. It, yep. Explorer.exe is a very yeah. common one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So it's just going to kill whatever process is running the encryption. Uh, And then at the file share level, it isolates the offending machine that's running it. Right, so um, do they care much about um, versioning? Like if I look and I say, oh, well, luckily I've got eight versions of that file. Uh, Does that matter Uh, at all? Well, so that's another thing that they they will go in and destroy first. Shadow copies and stuff. Yep. So shadow, I mean, they've been destroying the shadow copies for years and years now. Um, Shadow copies and versioning is one of the first things that they'll do. So, you know, so back and I lump that into that backup category. Right. Right. So um, if most of the stuff they stop is caught within a second and uh, or that they try to encrypt and it's backups, there's really very little damage is done. You, right. I mean, that's that's typically why we don't see, you know, if it gets to the point where it's actually encrypting the actual files, then it's five or six files. But yeah, generally, right. we, we want to catch it even before that. Cool. So um, is this ridiculously expensive? You don't have to talk about specific pricing, it, but, you know. It is not. Actually, gets down to less than a dollar per endpoint um, at, so at 2,000, so MSPs that have um, at least 2,000 endpoints that they're managing is less than a dollar per, per endpoint per month. Right. And you said you sell only through MSPs or through partners. Correct. Right. So um, yep. partners will find the information at that get crypto stopper. Yep. 
Yep, there's a whole section on how they can um, sign up as a partner, sign up for a demo, sign up to talk to a, a sales rep. And yep. does this mean I can throw away my um, malware bites and other <laughs> brand names? <laughs> Def definitely not, unfortunately. Um, and that's CryptoStopper is designed to be that last line of defense and work within a fully layered security stack. And that's that's really, you know, we're not saying you have to, that, that CryptoStopper is going to be the silver bullet to stop every malware because it's not. I mean, it is designed just to stop ransomware. So you still need those other layers of protection to protect against data breach and other kinds of malware. And would you say the, the ultimate protection is that offsite, that kind of like extra copy on a different cloud? Yeah. So, I mean, it's that whole combination of, I mean, I, I have recommended and owned an offsite backup and disaster recovery company. So that's, right, right. Um, so definitely offsite, offsite and automated backups that are tested um, is critical, but the whole layered approach. So patch management, managed AV, um, managed endpoint detection and response, manage if it's a large enough client, manage SIM so that, that all, all of the network is being watched for nefarious activity. Right. And um, I was going to look on your website. You use a phrase. I'm trying to remember what it was about what you call these files that you put out there. Uh, watcher files. Watcher files. But I mean, you use a thing that they were like, oh, deception technology. Uh, deception technology. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're in a, a subset of cybersecurity called deception technology. And there are, there are other, so like honeypot files were the original. Right, right version of this and honeypot servers. Um, and we've taken just a, a little different approach on that deception technology technique. Well, that sounds like something that's much easier to explain to clients than even encryption or <laughs> right how, how it jumps to the server and then to Bob's machine and then to the NAS. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and really what, what I see coming and what I think MSPs need to move to is that full security stack that they manage and that they're, you know, they can explain to their clients, but the clients don't really know or care in the, in most right. cases, they just want to be protected and they expect that they're protected. So right. having that standardized security stack that is installed on every single client, I, I just think that MSP, all MSPs are going to have to become security security yeah. service providers. Absolutely. Welcome to the 2020s. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Very good. Anything else before we go? Because we're basically out of time. Yeah. So we're doing an event um, with IT Glue in May 4th and 5th that we're giving away a Jeep Gladiator. So if I'm not sure if this is going to be posted before. A car Jeep Gladiator? Uh, yeah. Yep. A car yeah. Jeep, Jeep wow, Gladiator. Uh, Bear, Bear Gorillas is the keynote speaker and it's a whole um, outdoors theme and we're, we're sponsoring the, the Jeep Gladiator giveaway. Very nice. Send us a link to that. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you, Greg Edwards from Crypto Stopper and uh, with luck, we'll have you back again. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Carl. This has been yet another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. 
If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.